0: fun stuff um yeah i I just saw her uh like a week week and a half ago i went out to her house to get a signature from from luke and i was just like Uh, look at this erotinus doing good
1: (laughs) (laughs) she was quirky
0: quirky is a really good way to describe her
1: i liked her though
0: (laughs) (laughs) she um she has like a um like a, a group of like a Almost like a small music festival of folks up okay. north that like are starting to disband. I was like, "Hey, if I can help like bring that together, let me know." Like, if you've got a bunch of people that just love this stuff and like yeah. they're just looking for another venue, like let's see if we can bring them to Carbondale.
1: Yeah.
0: I <laughs>
1: <laughs> That would be like a. Oh, that'd be hilarious. Actually, probably.
0: do you have you ever um, do you ever get uh, your vehicle worked on at Gator Tire? Have you ever Mm-mm. been okay? So, so Karen is the woman who runs Gator Tire, and okay. she just kind of wears a, this jumpsuit. Like she's a, she's a mechanic and she just wears the jumpsuit. And when I, when I went over to uh, Kim, cause I feel comfortable calling her Kim now, it's like starting to yeah. reach that pinnacle of adulthood <laughs> 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 where we're on first name basis instead of Mr. Miss. And, and she was, she was wearing a similar jumpsuit. I was like, yes, get out there and get with it. Miss Harriet like get at the she's like, She was just kicking, kicking the yard's butt and like, cutting oh. cutting firewood and like raking leaves and just getting hmm. to it and i was like
1: that's awesome
0: <laughs> is that like aspirational i, <laughs> like, to, I just like,
1: it doesn't surprise me about her to be honest with you yeah she's got, she was entertaining in class but i know that there wasn't like like i feel like not a lot of students liked her
0: yeah it was Honestly. i mean it, it was when you're kids and you like don't know how to interface with a broad swath of adults yeah. like what is awesome now, now that you like look back on it may not have been as awesome to deal with. Like I can, I can think of high school uh, teachers and college professors kind of all in the same boat. It's like, as you get older, you start to realize like, here's how. Yeah. Do you, do you wonder if like you might have students that feel that way at some (laughs) point too? Like, okay, now that I'm growing older, I understand more of what Miss. Is it Jamie Son or Jameson? Jameson just plain yeah. Jameson, very good. Um, I like literally read it as like Jamie Son, yeah. and like, like or the, do I read it through as Jameson?
1: Irish whiskey.
0: There you go. Or, is a, por-
1: that, or a porn star.
0: Is that is that how the? <laughs> Thank uh, you. One for- of the one of the two. Thank you for bridging that topic, <laughs> so I didn't have to. Um, was that okay? So I, I got picked on in high school for any number of things, but like, I, with the name, was that like yeah. always a point of contention? Yes. Okay. For
1: well, for. Uh, I mean because we grew up in when Jenna Jameson was super famous. Yeah. So like now though, like the kids have no clue. Like <laughs> any of my students no. They have no clue, but every single person in our generation yeah. and like a couple generations before and a couple generations after Stone they place. know. That's even like some older People don't even know, like maybe older baby boomers don't really realize. It's like they, but she was just so famous in the 90s. Yeah. That, yeah, <laughs> that I have a porn star name. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's phenomenal. So. Um, and that's, uh, that is where we kick off uh, episode 19 of the WTF Carbondale podcast, where we talk to interesting people about their interesting lives and uh, sometimes their interesting names and tie it all back to this little old place we call home, Carbondale, Illinois. And uh, my guest uh, is another fellow townie, Jenna Jameson. Um, <laughs> the Carbondale Jenna Jameson.
1: <laughs> yeah, not the porn star.
0: <laughs> I, I love the fact that it just completely washes over your students' heads.
1: Yeah. It's completely washes over students' heads. They have no idea. However, ask anybody that grew up in the '90s or even the '80s, and they know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> Jenna Jameson.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. Did you? Uh, so did we we were talking about uh, you being a school teacher and just school activity um, a little bit ago. Uh, but r- running through this, you were were you a District 95 kid all through and through, or and you just currently live in Giant City District now, or were you a Giant City kid too?
1: Well, I actually wasn't a Carbondale person at all when I grew up. I went to Goreville.
0: Oh, no. (laughs) I mean, perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. (laughs) I
1: went to Goreville and Sentry, which both small schools south of Carbondale. And then I begged my mom to move to Carbondale so that I could have more diversity. (laughs) So here I am in Carbondale, Illinois, as a teacher at Carbondale High School. That's phenomenal.
0: Uh, Yeah, well, I mean, and and arguably, I'm sure that uh, that your classrooms before your mom moved to uh, Carbondale looked real white.
1: They did. Yes, (laughs) they were very white. In fact, that's one. It just felt like you stuck out like a sore thumb when you were a student like me um, in Goreville.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you you have? Do you have you had students that have come from uh, other? Uh, school districts that have had similar experiences to yours and you like finally get to warm them up to the idea that they're not the only black or brown person like in, in their world around them.
1: I think, yeah, we actually have lots of students that come from other districts that are smaller because Mm -hmm. if you think of Carbondale high school, we're one of the bigger districts in carb, you know, in Southern Illinois. Yeah. So yeah, I think that there's lots in most of the other rural, um, High schools are small and not very diverse, so when you come from a small high school like Goreville and you come to Carbondale, (laughs) the diversity and difference is just through the roof. And, I mean, just in terms of the opportunities, um, the clubs that they offer, the sports that they offer, um, the classes that they offer, the electives that you have, I don't think that students in Carbondale High School realize how lucky they are to have so many electives. Because we have more electives than most students have. Uh-huh. Um, like broken. classes even. Like yeah. you guys have more electives yeah. than. Just like construction and um, automotive and art and ceramics and all those. I think we take, the students take for granted.
0: <laughs> yeah. So. Now, I, I remember, so were you, were you 07 as well or were you 06? I was 06. Okay, that's, that's what I thought. I was just verifying. At um, some point in time, you get so old that it all just starts to blend together. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're Matt Wilson and you can't give up being '09. As a personal though. attack, Matt Wilson, I will see you answer that call on this podcast in the near future. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, but it all starts to all starts to blend together. But I remember, I mean the when the construction class built what is like the greenhouse and some of the other stuff out mm-hmm. back now like they've people got to do the thing that they wanted to do like it wasn't just read a book or whatever it was like execute
1: yeah and it's still like that at Carmel high school which is pretty remarkable yeah um and we were one of the first classes to be over in that in that building we <laughs> lucky enough got to be in the old building in the new building if you were 06.
0: Yeah, yeah, you guys we yep. were the we, I was the yep. first clean sweep, the the clean sweep all the way. You got to be the clean sweep all the way through. But well, we
1: got to be uh, <laughs> that uh open campus that moved to closed campus, but even still today they still build stuff. They they built some of those tiny houses that were that they used to auction off in the um, Marion Mall. Oh, really? Okay. And now they've built some sheds for some area school districts and things like that. So they're still doing things like that. Hmm. Um in the construction classes. Oh, that's uh. so it's kind of cool.
0: You know, it, there, there are nonprofit organizations that are always looking for free labor wherever they can find it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, volunteer labor. I mean, volunteer <laughs> labor. Um, And the uh, I hadn't even thought about, you know, how do you, how do you tap the, the high school? Right. Everybody's always looking to yeah. SIU and, you know, sometimes the unions and whatever else, but like there isn't, there's an active base of high school students that are capable. Yeah. And like, really itching to learn and, and put their hands on stuff
1: yep and like they just started doing lots of 3d printing stuff mm-hmm. like that so i think a lot of places during covid or a lot of hospitals were developing masks and things straps for masks mm-hmm. uh, using 3d printers so i know that Carmel high school did a ton of uh, that kind of stuff to donate to area medical places so. that's great
0: how did, i mean did you did you had you always been interested in like being a teacher or is this something that just kind of no, Oops, I'm a teacher
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> no. I actually went to school and majored in economics. Okay. So financial economics. And then I got a master's in public health. And I actually didn't go to school to be a teacher. And I don't know that I ever thought I would ever be a teacher, even though my mom was a teacher for 35 years in special education. But uh-huh. I ended up at, at the right place at the right time and ended up getting a provisional license, which would allow me to teach business classes. Uh-huh and medical classes. So based on my experience in the outside world or like the, what most people consider the real world because when you're in a school, a lot of times we equate school world and then we equate real world or outside world. Mm-hmm. So basically I was at the right place at the right time and then I had to track all my hours um, in order to prove that I had experience in business and in healthcare and uh-huh. medical Um, and I think it was like 8,000 or 12,000 hours. Once I proved all that and I got signatures from every single supervisor that tracked every single hour down to the last hour, then I could apply for a provisional license so that I was able to teach. And then that's how I ended up here, but I didn't start teaching until I was, what, 28, 29? So it's not like I've necessarily been a teacher my whole life which is what some people might think
0: yeah absolutely i i love i i that that approach to this is so very like needed right a, a real world application of skills in a teaching environment not just at the higher education level but at the you know grade and high school level and you know i i, I had you know like talking to your ojt class um how was that that was last week already i don't No time. Uh, And (laughs) (laughs) he, I was just like, wow, I I legitimately was there in Gwen Poore's class Uh 15, 14 years ago, whatever it was now. And it's like, I get it. Like, I get how this is supposed to work and why somebody like yourself is so valuable in in that role so I mean how you must have had a really good relationship with like former bosses and stuff to be able to go back and get that much hours that those hours tracked like that.
1: I did so that was the key to getting my provisional license and I think honestly and I appreciate your respect that you actually think it's cool that I did that because honestly I think coming from the outside world and then going into a school there may not necessarily be a positive interpretation of that. I didn't go through a teacher education program Mm -hmm. or TEP program, Um, so I didn't go to school and spend four years at SIU in their teacher program learning Mm -hmm. how to do behavior management or learn how to properly format a six-page lesson plan. But I think I still am capable of being an effective teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think every single person that goes to school to be a teacher is necessarily an effective teacher, just like every person from the outside world couldn't come in and be an effective teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you just develop a skill set or you have a skill set within yourself or a drive within yourself that allows you to want to communicate and inspire other individuals and I hope that's what I have. I'm that's what I'm striving for. Even if I don't have it yet, that's what I'm, that's my goal.
0: <laughs> Boom. That's the podcast. Shut it down. Usually they're an hour, but now we're checking out at 1245. No, the, um, no, I mean, that's, that's to recognize that the right people belong in the right positions. Right. And really your, just your, your personality and, and, dry but flavorful approach. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, like you're very, you're very like cut into the point Mm -hmm. and can communicate that well, but you do it in a way um, that is, that just draws in, your audience whether that's you know just one on, you know in in professional settings or in that student setting and you're just like okay and then we're moving to the next function and if you're not following along with Jenna at this point <laughs> guess what buddy you're you're gonna have to catch up later so you better be paying attention to the Jenna show right now and it is knowledge on the board like that's I think that's something that's that's valuable that like your style of teaching from what you know and I've not had mm-hmm. a bunch of exposure to it but i I've I've, I've gotten to engage with you enough in learning spaces in front of students that um, I kind of pick up on that (laughs) I think
1: I do think I hold high expectations for my students in fact I've witnessed a couple students that are in my OJT class that they probably came in thinking this teacher is crazy like why does she have expectations that are so extremely high for me like they're almost nearly unreachable and of course, you're going to have students that are willing to reach for your extremely high, over-the-top <laughs> expectations, uh-huh. and you're going to have some that are going to say, no, I'm I'm too lazy, or yeah. I don't care, or I'm not at that place. Mm-hmm. I just, I can't get to that place at this semester with this teacher. doesn't mean I won't eventually. Mm-hmm. But the goal is that we reach as many as we can yeah. to get them to strive for that, because as a teacher, you hope to see their full potential of what they can be, mm-hmm. not what they are now, because you already know you're going to already learn what they are now. Mm-hmm. But I want to get you to where I know you can be mm-hmm. so that you can be a contributing person to society or to a community.
0: Yeah.
1: And you can actually give back and know that not only are you going to be in the community and live in the community, but you're actually going to be involved in the processes that go on in that community.
0: Boom nailed it again shut the podcast down cut <laughs> no. but that and and that i i'm i'm a lazy student always been a lazy student i'm a i'm a, I'm a c's b's and a couple d's make degrees type of like <laughs> attitude towards stuff um and the learning of of mechanisms to operate in the real world through a school environment is something that we miss out on and not just in the ways of like, Oh, well you can, you can balance a checkbook and you can, you know, understand how to cook. It's like not that, but how to like cope yourself with the world around you. And so even in that position where you may have a student that's, that's saying, you know, I don't want to strive for this. I don't want to reach around for this. And they're just like, you know, if it's for reason a, they're just plain lazy. They're going to find the lazy way to still try and strive Mm -hmm. for what you've pushed them to. So even if they may not, follow the path that you may have laid out for them, ultimately they're going to start carving their own path just because you put the pressure on them.
1: I think so. I think, you know, they're going to learn something no matter what. And I always tell the students that, you know, even if you learn something that you don't necessarily like that you learned, like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I hated this job. Like, okay, but you still learned something. Now you're not going to (laughs) go. You learn that that's not what you want to do after high school. That's (laughs) actually a valuable lesson, right? Uh Uh, that's not a field I want to go into. Okay, good. Don't go waste $30,000 on some type of training or degree or in a career for five years that you hate. Yeah. That's perfect. So, I I mean, I hope they see that as a valuable lesson. And I don't know. I always tell students, like, as long as you're gaining some life lessons or golden advice out of life, it's okay. You don't have to like everything you're doing as long as you're gaining some (laughs) lessons and golden advice from it.
0: You know, so so what was your professional path that that got you to this point? I mean, was it was it a mix of different (laughs) positions at different levels using different skill sets? Or was there one like very linear path and then it dropped (laughs) off and now I'm a teacher? (laughs)
1: Um, Yeah, so that's a good question. I actually did a lot of weird jobs. I got into economics thinking I really thought I was going to like it. I wanted to work for the stock market. I wanted to manage people's money. But then I realized that I felt like it was a little bit more too uh, money hungry type of job Somebody's and not got <laughs> ethics. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> too much like I needed like I was going after making money and not enough mm-hmm. about helping other people. So then that's where I changed directions to the public health degree. However, public health is filled with soft money and grant money and all the programming that gets cut mm-hmm. when we cut budgets. Yeah. So I felt like after working in health departments for a few years, like. I don't like this. Like I don't like not knowing whether I'm going to have a job Uh or whether I'm going to have to change jobs just because this job ran out of money. Mm -hmm. So I did that. And then I actually got into PTA school for a little while. And I was like, no, I don't like this. Like (laughs) it's helping people, but I just don't like it. It didn't feel right. And then I did some odd, like just some random, like odd jobs and retail jobs. And then I, was like, okay, well, maybe I'm just going to try working as an aide in a school and see mm-hmm. if I like it. And I did. I liked it. So then I I just ended up meeting a couple people along the way that that were net, by networking. Yep. And then <laughs> those people helped connect me with the right people uh-huh. to be able to get a provisional license because they realized, okay, well, she does have business experience. Oh, she does have healthcare experience. Mm-hmm. So she would be eligible for a provisional license if mm-hmm. she really thought that this is something she wanted to do. And I don't know. It's kind of weird. I was also unemployed for a small section of time that people don't actually really know about me. But yeah. I wrote a book during that time, which is kind of like strange. Like I didn't write the book. Some people are like, you wrote a book to get uh-huh. famous. Like, no, <laughs> no, I didn't write a book to get famous, especially when you're talking to high school students like, yeah. oh, I can buy it. Like, no, it's, it's not really that type of book. It's more like a book that I wrote for like self-reflection. Uh-huh. And it's all about giving back to your community and being kind to other people. Um, it's not necessarily a book that I was like, oh, I'm going to get famous off this Mm -hmm. book. It's just, I wanted a project that kept, that challenged me during that time period. Did you get famous off
0: the book? No. Yeah, (laughs) of course. Like you were talking like, like there was was this other side of Jimmy (laughs) Davis that I was just like lost on. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just double checking. Sorry. Sorry.
1: (laughs) So, I mean, yeah, I just wrote it for, for my own perspective and you know my own enjoyment and challenge. And I knew I wanted to write a book at some point in my life. Why not do it under the age of 30?
0: Yeah. So there you go. And so I'm, you know, at at 31 now, uh, I'm still struggling with that. Like, ah, did I hit the marks Mm -hmm. pre 30 that I felt like I needed to hit, (laughs) but it's also like, okay. And and I'm, I'm in a position just because my kids are all 10. It's like, I'm going to be 38, 39 years old with grown kids um mm-hmm. uh, and, and so like there's a there, there there's a build-up and then there's a runway out uh just the same for like okay cool what's 40 gonna be now yeah. place hold from 30 to 40 and then what do we do um but there I, I don't remember where I was going about this being a real narcissist right now taking up all this <laughs> talking time about myself um the the whole idea was like okay well feeling feeling like, I've not accomplished stuff because I didn't hit certain marks before 30. Was that something that you were struggling with as well? Like, you felt like you weren't in I'd some of these places you wanted fair. to be? i say that's fair. Okay. That's a
1: fair assessment. I think, so ever since I was a little girl, my dream was always to have a career. And I think I graduated college with two degrees, and I couldn't find a job. I was applying all over the United States. Couldn't find a job. Like, I felt like, what, it, like, why? I just spent... on two degrees and I can't find a job, Mm -hmm. even making, you know, $10 an hour is about the best I can do with two college degrees. And I think for me, it was like, this is my dream to have a career and I can't even accomplish the dream that I (laughs) sought out to, to really go after. And so I think that book probably actually helped me just give me some perspective because I almost feel like I was trying to live a dream that society tells us we should live. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, you should go to college. Oh, you should get a job. Oh, you should get engaged. Mm -hmm. Oh, you should get married. Oh, you should have kids. And I was like, am I living the dream I want to live? Or am I living the dream that society keeps telling me I want to live? And, oh... Society says we should always look forward to our next vacation. But like, why am I not just living in the present? Like, why am I not just living? Like, I don't need a vacation to look forward to life. Like, life is right here in front of my eyes. So I think I was kind of missing the mark a little bit because Mm -hmm. I was missing life because I was too busy focused on, I have to get that career. I have to get that career. And when I let the pieces kind of just fall, then it's like the career eventually came. It just, I couldn't force it, and I couldn't just live up to the society goals that society had or the goals that I wanted to have. Mm -hmm. I just had to let go a little
0: bit. You talk like a famous author. (laughs) I'm serious, Jenna. Like, just keep doing you. I'm excited (laughs) to see, like, just where, you know, what, because you can just do whatever you want to do. I mean, there's nothing that limits you to being a teacher and not doing whatever else you want to do. Which is, I, I said I was going to make a reference to your to your Facebook lines. Now I got to pull it back up so <laughs> I can <laughs> so I can see.
1: Well, I don't think that anything is about me being famous. Honestly, I no. actually just did a interview with uh, the D E and W S I L, and he asked me what would be some final thoughts that I wanted to give for his piece that he was doing? And I said, Mm -hmm. well, really the goal for me is not for me to be recognized for teaching or for helping students, but to recognize that I hope the students that leave my classroom leave as a better human being than when they entered it Mm -hmm. that is my true goal now as a teacher do I want them to learn the content yes am I naive (laughs) enough to think that they're going to memorize and remember all the content no (laughs) so like don't get me wrong yes I want you to love business I want you to love medical terminology but I know you're not going to leave my class remembering it all Mm -hmm. so if you can remember to remember to just be kind to everyone and leave as a better human being, then that's the goal as a teacher. And I think that's not just the goal of, of me. Mm-hmm. That's the goal of most teachers, I hope. And I think that'd be the case for most teachers at Carbondale High School.
0: Have you uh, have ever done any, like, speaking? Speaking, Like, are you, a, are you an in, in front of a crowd person at all?
1: I haven't really. I did some speaking when the book came out just because there were groups that asked me if I would speak. And mm-hmm. I said, well, sure. I'll speak and then I'll give you a free book if you want a free book. If your group wants some books, you know, then that's fine. But I don't necessarily like see myself as someone that's like some amazing speaker that's going to change the world or uh, inspire thousands and thousands of people. But hopefully people will just hear me and say, oh, I w- I think I should be kind because of all the things that she said. <laughs> That would be my goal. Right. No, <laughs> Kindness. No, no Tony Robinson
0: <laughs> <then>. <laughs> of, of needing the, of needing the, the attention. So you, you actually went through the publication process and everything. Like, Did you work with a publishing house or was it self-published? So
1: I self-published okay. with, with someone that helped me actually, kind of helped me with the process, with um, someone that was through CEO, actually. Uh-huh. I met him, another person that I networked with, I met him through CEO And he was actually uh, dying, but he actually was willing to mentor me through the process. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I used a lot of the same people and things that he did uh, just because he helped me through the process, not for any other reason than that. But it was interesting. Uh, He ended up dying, so it was a little depressing. So I I kind of uh, dedicated a portion of the book to him and talking about that but that's interesting when you write a book because i did take a quite a long time writing the book and Mm -hmm. uh, publishing it it's just the different phases or chapters that your life literally goes through and then how that influences what you choose to write about
0: i i had i keep wondering when is the right time to write something down right and and what you said there i think is is key too it's like when when is the portion of the story that I'm supposed to write about done and that I'm supposed to write about it?
1: Well, it's, I, whenever you choose, right? <laughs> whenever you choose to, to write it down or make it possible, I don't think you, there's necessarily going to be a right time. You can just start. And then it may, you never, you'll know when it's ready to be finished, I think.
0: Oh, that's great. I think. I, I, I think you're right as well. Yeah, and
1: I, and I, and I, mine was composed of thousands of Post-it notes where I just wrote notes, random notes, and I had stuck them in a baggie. And then I was <laughs> like, okay, I'm gonna actually put this to, to a notebook mm-hmm. and,
0: and write it. So you would ju- you would just write on note note like sticky notes and just stuff them into a bag.
1: I have all those sticky notes still. And all the process, (laughs) like, I have, I typed the book in Microsoft Word. Literally.
0: (laughs) I, to have an artifact like that, to go with the end result, that, that seems special.
1: Yeah. I think, like, honestly, I don't know that I for sure knew I was going to... And get to the end result and like how long the end result was going to take uh-huh. because you start projects and maybe you have an end date but then the time frame changes and you allow it to change and you're like okay it's okay if it changes and so I think that's the point where I was like I have to put an end date like I'm going to make this done before I'm 30 <laughs> because otherwise I'm going to give myself another year and I think it was probably a two or three year process mm-hmm. um, and it's Honestly, it's just a book that has lessons that I've learned in life. It's, they're probably lessons that other people have learned as well, but um, they're just simple lessons. You could pick up the book and read you know, chapter 14, and it wouldn't make any difference that you would skipped 13 chapters <laughs> before. They're literally just small lessons. Um, probably most chapters are under five or six pages because it's just a story that represents a time in my life where I learned a valuable lesson that I felt like I should keep track that I actually learned
0: this. Where do you get your pragmatism from?
1: My mom, maybe <laughs> 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 my experiences. I yeah. mean, that's probably where we get, you know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I never been asked that. So I haven't really put much thought into it.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, it just, it, it's so, it, you know, there's, You you're able to follow through on the task and and a mindset, without seeming superficial, and being very utilitarian in the process, right? So so that that all kind of mixes together, to to form this like very pragmatic Jenna.
1: <laughs> it's probably I have to say it's probably just some type of genetic thing that's ingrained in me because honestly I was adopted uh, when I was three months old. I was adopted in Calcutta, I was dropped off on the streets, and my umbilical cord was just cut with a pair of scissors, and then I was taken to a Mother Teresa orphanage. So, honestly, we're, yeah, I mean, I don't really know my family history other than I have an awesome mom that's calling Carbondale, Illinois home because (laughs) she came to SIU in the 60s and decided she loved it here and decided to stay.
0: It's just serendipitous. Like, <laughs> yeah. This, this is life and yeah. now you're here.
1: This is life and now I'm here <laughs> from all the way from Calcutta, India to Carbondale, Illinois. <laughs> do
0: you do you lean on that component of your story at all or is that a very minimal, like very small component uh, to to the person that you see yourself as?
1: I think it does lean a little bit just because I feel like being from Calcutta, I realize how fortunate I am. Like when I hear students say, Oh, I hate Carbondale, Illinois. Like I hate this place. I'm, I can't wait to leave. Sometimes I'll say, well, I'm actually glad I'm in Carbondale, Illinois. Like I'm thankful that I'm not on the streets of Calcutta anymore. Like that I came from the streets of Calcutta and I'm here. Like that makes me feel blessed. Like I'm alive. Like that's pretty awesome. I'm have food on the table I have a roof over my head that's pretty awesome so I think when you come from a country like that and like I was born in 87 so healthcare wasn't that advanced to be eight pounds at three months when I came to the U.S. like that's pretty remarkable that they had enough medical care to even be keep a premature baby alive that was born on the streets with a you know infection of the umbilical cord so I think for me, that helps just keep me grounded that I'm like, okay, that's pretty awesome. But I do understand not liking Carbondale or not <laughs> enjoying Carbondale because when you don't have those experiences, yeah. you, don't, you can't relate to it as much. And I always have to relate to my students. I have to think, well, I don't have the same experiences as, as they do. Mm-hmm. So like, we have to be able to remember that we all have different experiences that cause us to be who we are. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't make you any better than me or me any better than you. It just means those experiences have produced who we are. And that's sometimes why we we react the way we do. Why I'm mad about, you know, something and why I cry when something happens. I think that's just, we're a product of our experiences.
0: You just, you have, you have a good enough hold on it to be able to make it something that other people can follow. It just, it's like, I, you know, that, that, that right there, (laughs) what you just presented felt like if it's not already chapter 21 in the book, (laughs) it should be chapter 21 in the book.
1: (laughs) I Uh, mean, it's true though. It products. uh, When you're a product of your experiences, you know, if you went to giant city school or you mm -hmm. went to CMS or you went to, a uh, private school yeah. versus a public school, you're going to react differently if you had a class with 30 students versus 10 students. Um, it just changes the perspective you get on life in that particular experience. That, that's how I feel. Yeah. And that's why I think we have students that react and have such different perspectives on education even, you know. It's not necessarily we get mad because students aren't oh they're not motivated mm-hmm. they don't like to do this work they they don't realize how much effort i put into this lesson plan but we forget the the experiences they had on the other side at mm-hmm. their house or you know with siblings or with grandparents that make it different different and it makes it hard for them to relate to us and sometimes it makes us it makes us it hard for us to relate to them but we have to keep that in the back of our minds so that we are empathetic and compassionate, I think, just as people. And that's why I think we have to remember to be
0: kind. Have you ever thought to, like, to, to turn your book into a video series or to just turn your thoughts and, and the way that you're uh, you know, approaching ideas in our conversation into a video series?
1: I think I've thought of lots of things that I'd love to do, but however, <laughs> with that being said, I think time,
0: mm-hmm. there's
1: only so much of it. So I think if you ask any coworker or any friend <laughs> or my mom or my husband, what, why don't you have more time? It's because I bleed too much time into every project I do in life. Mm-hmm. So as a teacher, I bleed too much time into that specific career. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I did the book, I bled so much time into doing that book. So yes, would I love to do a video series? Yes, if I had someone that could help make sure (laughs) I could have a schedule or an assistant that was making me do all the different planning that it takes, I think we just, we run out of time. And I think another issue is, is just when people ask me to do something, I say, yes, oh, God. yeah, I, I'm not a no person. I am not a, no, I won't help you type person. I'm, I am guilty of saying yes too much. Uh-huh. And then it leaves me with very little time. So that's probably where I, that's probably why I don't have anything different that represents beyond a book. The only reason I have a book is because I was unemployed, right?
0: <laughs> I think, um, I think that's a, I, being unemployed at certain points in time, Pre-30, post-30, whatever, I think is something that has not been sold to, uh, you know, our generation or upcoming generations or whatever it may be in terms of being able to pursue passion Mm -hmm. and turning passion into something executable as career, right? And that, like, really not having a structured 9 to 5 or 40 hours a week or whatever it may be where you're just exhausting yourself on the task of pursuing your own financial interest to pay rent and food that you never you never cross over into writing that book starting yeah. that podcast you know doing yeah. whatever
1: well it um, goes back to what society tells us we should do yeah. we should work 9 to 5 yep. we should work 8 to 4 we should have a 40 hour a week job so then we forget about all those passions and those hobbies because we're too busy living that life that society has paved and told us we should yeah. potentially feed into
0: how has that compounded being a woman in society just as well?
1: Um, I'm not sure necessarily that, that it has been compounded for me personally. Okay. I think it has for other people. In fact, I would say I've seen where I think women have maybe taken – a specific route because of the way society views um, the path that maybe they thought a woman should take. Yeah. However, I'm often, I'm a pretty optimistic person. Yeah. If you didn't, couldn't tell. <laughs> so I would say, I, I think we've made some advancements yeah. towards, you know, making strides for women. In fact, the fact that as a little girl, I thought I wanted a career and that I could have a career. Yeah. I think that's pretty remarkable, honestly, because, there were probably women before me, maybe 20, 30, 40 years. That didn't enter their mind. That didn't enter their mind at all because that wasn't what society said they should do. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, we're making strides. We're probably not making strides <laughs> in in such a way that many people would like to see That's or at the rate that people want to see. Um, But if you sit back and you look at things in different ways or from different perspectives, you can always find some pros and cons. Mm -hmm. Um, No matter what, um, (laughs) I think you can. Now, I know there'd be people that would argue otherwise, but you have to be able to see the optimism in life or else, you know, especially right now with all the things that are going on in the world, I think Mm -hmm. if you can't look at the positive, you're going to put yourself in a deep hole.
0: What I'm most appreciative of, about your perspective is that it is positive without being toxic positivity and i'm i imagine that you probably have about as much <laughs> time for toxic positivity as i'm willing to give to it yeah. as well uh, i mean how how do you view the ju- juxtaposition between your type of positivity which i'll which i'll just call pragmatic positivity because I, I, okay. I again it's u- utilitarian it is effective it is it is executable positivity that you take This energy of thinking that the world can be better and you turn it into action in any number of different ways that you do versus people who just say, oh, it's okay. Just look on the bright side. Everything's fine. No, really, it's okay when it's not. And they're not putting any effort into actually fixing what's wrong and and finding the pragmatic positivity in something.
1: And I think that's key. I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think it's key for you to be able to think positive, but thinking positive means action. Action is the most important word you can put into your vocabulary when you're a young adult or you're an adult in general. Because you can't just talk and say you want all these things, and that's something Mm -hmm. I talk about with high school students all the time. When we talk about goals or what you want to do with your life or what your interests are, what your passions are, those have to be turned into action, though. Mm-hmm. If we don't set, for, set foot and put, put our mind in a way that we're, like, creating action or mm-hmm. creating change, then what are we doing? Like, what's the point? <laughs> you know, there's no point in just saying, I want to do this or I want to make the world a better place, okay, whatever. But if you're not doing it, then what's the point of you even saying it? And nobody really wants to stand behind you uh-huh. or support your causes if you're not willing to necessarily show the action. And I think that's that's vital as a teacher is you just have to be able to mentor and pro- provide examples to students of where you've actually made a difference because they don't want to hear you just say all the things that – they could do or what they should do. But if you can back up with stories or examples that demonstrate those traits, they're much more likely mm-hmm. to buy in to what you're asking them to do. And I think that's, that's important.
0: How, so, so I've been, I've been humbled enough to get to speak to cl- your classes in some way, shape, form on multiplication, CEO, OJT. I don't get invited to a whole lot of those because, just like last week, I, you know, I'm you know, I'm I'm not vulgar, but I'm <laughs> I'm also not exactly like puppies and rainbows <laughs> about what the future holds for folks. It's like, you know, tell them exactly what you talked about. You know, you're going to you're going to work jobs that you don't like or, uh, you know, be put in positions where where you have issues and you're going to have to work your way through those things and mm-hmm. make decisions along the way that are in your own best interest. Yep. Um, you know, who who have you been able to find in that that you've got just some examples and it doesn't have to be specific people it can be examples of kind of some some talks that you've had from folks but that that you have seen a- executed with your students in whatever program that that you think really fits the mold of like yeah this is this is the valuable information that these students need to have like thank goodness somebody else is out there being just as pragmatic
1: in yeah the no i think th- the whole point of me bringing in speakers is to provide real life examples of what life is like because I think so often students have a unrealistic expectation (laughs) of what life is going to be like and so my goal is that I bring in some real life speakers and I've had to be honest I've had amazing speakers in my classes like I don't think there's a single speaker I've had that I can't say, okay, yeah, those students got a golden piece of advice. Now, is every piece of advice perfect? No. no. But that's perfect because that's how life is. <laughs> You're literally not going to have a perfect speaker or a perfect wedding or a perfect anything yeah. because that's not how life is. So I, that's what I love about having speakers. And, I mean, there are countless numbers of speakers that I've had that I could say – were amazing and but even the ones that I wouldn't say were amazing were still amazing yeah. because the students still learn something from them and I think you know even if they soaked up one piece of information from that speaker that was less amazing maybe to them mm-hmm. they still gained something and that's the key you know each day in life is that we go out and we kind of soak up new information or mm-hmm. we soak up uh, something that's going to influence our life in one form or another.
0: You just keep hitting home runs. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> and what's what's nice is when you talk about this and as conversational as your your descriptions of you know these these you know simple yet vital steps and actions that people can commit to um you know it 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 doesn't sound like your typical BS platitude. Which again, and like if if this was a conversation where I felt like ah, Jenna's just out here selling lines and like you know we're 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 getting the motivational speaker dig, I'd be like ah, but that's not where we're at. Like this is, and like you're you're having this conversation in a in a similar manner with these students day in day out. Like I feel I feel like you're going to be one of those people that that students will look back to and be like Miss Jameson, like had that impact on me like because she just kept having these talks day in day out and we couldn't get away from them and she always had something to tell us but it always meant something when she talked i think that
1: that is the goal i think that the here and now like right now in if you came to my classes yeah like it's not like oh mrs jameson is feeding me great information like I love <laughs> Mrs. Jameson's class in fact it's probably more like oh I hate Mrs. Jameson's right. class I wish I wasn't in her class anymore <laughs> and that's not the goal my n- goal is never for you to be leave my class or enter my class and be like oh I hate this content or I hate <laughs> this class but my goal is to make you a better person mm-hmm. uh, in the classroom and outside of the classroom because. After all, it's going to help you down the road. Like That's the goal. You have to figure out what's gonna help you in the future because the here and now isn't going to get you to where you wanna go. And so for me, hopefully in 10 years or 20 years, they realize like, oh, those speakers that she had, those actually did help me. Or when she told me I had to come up with questions, Oh, yeah, that actually helped me because it taught me that I need to, you know, think on my feet a little more Mm -hmm. or think outside of the box or that I need to be always listening so that I am trying to figure out what I can glean from this Mm -hmm. conversation or from this speaker. That is what I hope they learn. I don't necessarily care if they learn it in my class, but if they can (laughs) remember it Uh and use it later in life, that's golden. That is golden.
0: (laughs) Uh, And that's the way to just phrase it, too. It's like it's just just golden. (laughs) It is. (laughs) It
1: really, that's golden as a teacher. That is what you want. Oh, well, if they didn't learn your content necessarily, not that you don't want them to. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, if they didn't necessarily get everything the way it should have been done or ask the right questions, but if they can learn to ask the right questions in 10 years when they're at a job interview or they're out in the world in a community living their life, that's good. That's what's going to help them contribute to society mm-hmm. or to another community yep. uh, on a board or, you know, wherever they're at in mm-hmm. that stage of their life.
0: How many uh, – what What are some of the nonprofit activities, whether they're, they're now or, or, or previous ones that you've been involved in, um, that, that you really enjoyed? Uh, so
1: – one that's coming up, so we're getting ready to stuff backpacks for the Boys and Girls Club and for Carbondale High School, mm-hmm. and it's something I think I've done for five years now, and it's my favorite thing to do in the world, but it's just buying backpacks, and I print off a ton of educational quotes, and we decorate them, <laughs> and we stuff those in the backpacks, and the goal is just to provide a backpack as, l- as well as a little piece of paper that gives some inspiration to a student that probably needs something besides just the backpack. And so, and what's cool about the backpack project is it's really not, it has nothing to do with me. It's students helping students. So Key Club comes in, Circle K of SIU comes in, they work together, both Kiwanis organizations, and they're decorating the quotes and they're putting the school supplies and the quote in the backpack. And then those backpacks end up in the hands of students that really need them so you have amazing students that are willing to help those students that that need that extra help or support because they're not necessarily getting the support they need like a backpack which many take for granted and we don't realize that a backpack really truly helps with a student's success and i think that's really important because there are so many things in the world that we take for granted and i think probably COVID even exemplified that a little mm-hmm. bit even more is to remind us all the different things that we take for granted on a day-to-day basis.
0: Whew. That's, I, yeah. I, I mean, again, I, and I, I can't remember if I talked, I may have talked about this with William a couple of episodes ago. It's just like, there are, there are things that, that every little bit of help like means and symbolizes something to folks like you know our family you know at at the start of the pandemic uh when when i was still uh, unemployed uh, like we ate boys and girls club meals Mm -hmm. every night that we could like and you know what extra food we got like that got stashed away and like it was it was a real helpful yeah like thing right and and for for the twins to get to participate in community in that particular way because like you've got you've got to know you know i I think there is something important about knowing why you're giving that is part of receiving Mm -hmm. right like yeah what's what is going to motivate you know folks to when they are capable of doing so when they're in a position to be able to to give back it's like well having received is a very valuable motivator in that community service mm-hmm. um so i appreciate that position that like you're taking on on both sides of things that it's not just about the folks that are coming in and doing the giving but it is the motivation for the folks receiving on the other end and not from you know this you know problematic position that the united states has had for for you know centuries of well if you don't if you don't have it it's because you didn't work for it. it's like that's not you know more and more clear every day that that's not what it is. Like Mm -hmm. you got to work for it. And eventually, hopefully you'll be lucky enough to get it, but there's no guarantee.
1: Yeah. And I think you bring up good, valid points, but like just realizing that as a giver and a receiver, you actually both people get something out of it. Yeah. And I don't know that we always think of things like that, but we should. And -hmm. like, I think, and especially if, you, if uh, you think about just in terms of your community, if you're willing to give back, what you'll receive just from giving back or from helping someone else is far greater than you'll realize, I how, think.
0: How long did you work for Carolyn for?
1: Um, probably a year and a half w-
0: Is she? Did she have any influence over she- this – this, side I I mean, this, this sounds very Carolyn-esque. Like <laughs> she
1: <the laughs> she could have. She did actually help me get involved. I volunteer a ton at SIU. Uh-huh. She did help me con- connect with some people at SIU um, in terms of just volunteering. Mm-hmm. So now, well, right now, graduations are halted, but oh, yeah. I think I've volunteered for maybe the last eight to ten years at mm-hmm. SIU graduations. Um, but I also you know, have volunteered at the Week of Welcome for SIU. I have volunteered for um, for Kids' Sake. Mm-hmm. There's just random organizations that, I, and it's not that I, you know, I really care even what the organization name is <laughs> other than I'm willing to give time because I think when you're part of a community, that's part of your responsibility. Yeah. Um, you have to be willing to give time. It doesn't mean it's your favorite project or it's exactly what you want to do on your Saturday is spend Mm -hmm. my entire Saturday at a graduation ceremony for (laughs) students that I don't have a clue who they are. (laughs) But you're not doing it for you. Like, it's not about you. That's what you have to remember when you're volunteering. Um, You know, you're doing it for someone else because at some point in life, there was somebody probably that was volunteering for something that you were part of. Mm Um, to make that day something that you enjoyed,
0: and I and I think that using S I U graduation as an example is a very. Uh, it takes away the the charitable component of it, right? Because all too often we think of volunteering in terms of this you know charitable act or charitable function. When really what we should be seeing at is you know somebody that's being willing to help complete, or or work to complete part of somebody's life Mm -hmm. right so whether it is somebody working in a food pantry helping to you know complete one part of somebody's life simply by providing food and sustenance or whether it is volunteering at uh you know something with pomp and circumstance that is uh, a graduation ceremony that is really you know more symbolic than it is functional but nevertheless is a completing component to somebody's life and really means and matters uh for folks.
1: I think that's that's a great point because I've actually had people say, "Well, you could be volunteering at a food pantry or mm-hmm. you could be volunteering for organizations and different nonprofits. Why would you choose SIU?" There's no reason for my for my choosing SIU other than I'm willing to volunteer and, you know, if someone from a different organization asked me to volunteer or it was a food pantry or something, I wouldn't say no to that mm-hmm. either. I think and I think you bring up a valid point. We c- we can't judge how people are volunteering. If they're willing to give back to a community or to make an influence or impact on someone else's life, that should be enough. We don't need to judge. <laughs> you know, there's no need to judge how you cre- spend your volunteer hours or how you're giving back to a community. SIU is part of Carbondale, Illinois. Mm-hmm. SIU is part of w- the success of our region. Yeah. So... It, without the volunteers, without the people that give time, SIU wouldn't be the success that it is. Mm-hmm. So we have to be willing to remember that. Doesn't mean you agree with every decision that SIU makes or that you love everything about SIU. Doesn't matter. You, you still do put in the time so that you can help with the success of your community and your region. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's uh, how I feel wholeheartedly mm-hmm. is that you just have to be willing. To volunteer and I, I actually wish that I could require uh, you know some volunteerism <laughs> and things like that because I think it's so important for us to incorporate or encourage young people to be willing to volunteer. Um, that's how communities survive not just Carbondale, Illinois but all of rural America mm-hmm. that which is where most people live
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's how those small communities, survive is through the connections and the togetherness that is built through volunteering and working together to build stronger communities.
0: It's it's literally that easy. It's like, you got (laughs) to give up some time if you want this to be good for everybody.
1: (laughs) I mean, it it is truly that easy. Now, can we convince everyone to do that? <laughs> Probably not. Can we still keep doing it? Should we still keep doing it? Should we still keep encouraging others to do it? Yes. Yes, I think we have to um, in order to just keep smaller regions and areas going.
0: Usually, when we get towards the end of pod, the podcast, I, I start... <laughs> I start kind of kind of poking towards kind of a like a wrap up sentiment that is like just a nice block of like this is this is a lesson to take away from this podcast. Ha. Huh. This whole podcast was just your lessons. So I'm gonna flip the script on that one. How did like have you always been a runner?
1: Um so no. I actually hated running probably oh, eight or ten years ago. I hated running. Um it wasn't anything, I have always enjoyed working out, I'll put it that way, but I didn't enjoy running. However, I was doing mostly workouts inside, just like video workouts, mm-hmm. and I started to hate them. And I love being outdoors, like the hiking and doing stuff like that, that's like my number one, like if I have free time, that's what I would want to be doing. Uh-huh. Um, so then I just decided that, well, I don't usually get to hike that much or be outside that much because that's just the nature of my life and my job. Mm-hmm. So I just decided that I would take up running to allow myself a little more outside <laughs> time. Um, and so that's, that's kind of why I do it. But the same with running and working out, really it's just for myself to have some personal goals. Uh, <laughs> it's not necessarily, I don't think uh, that I love working out I don't necessarily love working out, but I do need the de-stressor. I think I am a OCD kind of like perfectionist type person. So. You can say high strung. <laughs> you can say hi, strung.
0: Don't, don't be afraid well, of the words. No. I, well,
1: I definitely would call myself OCD, and I definitely would call myself a perfectionist. Yeah. Um, so I think to keep myself balanced, I have to have something that's going to give myself a little bit of time. <laughs> um, so 5 a.m. it is <laughs> to run it, run <laughs> so that I can get it done before I go to work and still be able to stay late at work and finish what I need to finish.
0: Oh, 5 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> the self discipline is just grossly off the charts. Oh, I can't I can't do it. I can't do it. I I love waking up at 5 a.m. to realize it's 5 a.m. and then go back to sleep. Big fan. Oh. Big. fan <laughs> Oh, my gosh. It's
1: I think it just helps prepare me for the day, though. Yeah. Like to get up, get motivated. Like then by eight o'clock, I like I have the energy to get through the rest of the day. Yeah. Now, do I make it till 11 or 12 at night? I do not. And there are other <laughs> people that make it to 12, 11 or 12 at night and they can still think clearly. Yeah. That's not me. I can't think clearly at 11 or 12 at night, and if I am up doing stuff at 11 or 12 at night, it's probably not going to be my best work.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, that's great! Just shut down. We hit, we hit 8 o'clock. It's game yeah. over. <laughs> and then tie it up. We're moving on. <laughs> uh well, that uh, man. It's there's like 30 seconds left till we hit the hour mark, and I'm not usually a big stickler. Oh no, we got to hit this. We got to hit that. This has just been. This has been a really, really awesome conversation. I had, I had no expectation coming into this, like how you know how we were going to talk about stuff, what we were going to talk about, um, you know, whether you were going to approach the subject of your of your name or not. Uh, how <laughs> how, how could gonna, I not? <laughs> you're like I live this. It's like I, I still eat Christopher Columbus jokes all day. I can't. How many messages I got you know they're like it's not it's not your day anymore it's and it just you know oh it's your you know it's columbus day ha ha it's, it's anywho it's uh um, oh. so so i do i do not i can't even scratch the surface of your <laughs> what no doubt you had to go through so uh we don't have to go back down that rabbit hole i'm just filling time at this point i it was a great conversation, yeah,
1: this was fun. I enjoyed it. I'm actually interested to uh go and watch some of your other podcasts now just to see all the different uh conversations you've had
0: absolutely well, and that's another cool part with the with the podcast like I'm not always just like I don't reach out to people like, hey, watch my podcast and then come do my podcast. It's like if you've never done this before, it's kind of all the better like if you if the if the only guide to the format is like me putting the format in place yeah. like it's almost like that's a a a cleaner more organic conversation that that you know, pro, you know provides a really good a really good media piece on the other end
1: yeah um, i i agree I th- well i had no expectations or coming perfect. into this and I had no idea what I had agreed to do so, <laughs> <laughs> so, so that now, was that could have been scary
0: hey we we're, 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 i wasn't we're, too scared we're 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 now on the on the on the, <laughs> the other side of things we're we're one for one on the On the favors of i don't know what i just got myself into when you asked me last week like i didn't even pay attention to like when you needed me to like talk you were just like i need you to talk i was like yeah i'll do it and then like i didn't realize until you sent the email follow-up i was like oh shit that's tomorrow
1: yeah well i was like i better make sure i put the time and date again so he realizes that it was like tomorrow that he agreed on and then i told my husband i was like you know he's actually really saved the day many times for me because every time i need a speaker last minute well i know who to go to because yeah. nathan's always willing to <laughs> fill there. in
0: i'm a, I'm a fan shutter man he doesn't like, mind
1: being filled in. he doesn't mind filling in last that's minute it. for my classes and you always have amazing advice to give the students so that's actually what's so amazing about having you as a guest is just the fact that you can provide real life you know hey. advice that's not Sugar coated. That's just, my goal. I don't want it to be sugar coated.
0: Right, right. No, I mean just try to try to get some kids to absorb uh, some some PG rated shit talk. I mean if <laughs> they can they can go along with that. I mean these you know half your half your uh, students are working in uh, you know industries where they're where they're having real life conversations mm-hmm. like your folks that are you know that's that's working uh, you know at a at a trucking business or you know w- the ones that are working in restaurants or whatever it may be like they're exposed to adult ass conversations mm-hmm. like period.com point blank. Yeah. Like if somebody's just going to come in and pander to them as, Oh, students, <laughs> here you go. Nah, 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 it's like, it's a disservice. And yeah. like kudos for not doing your students a disservice. Like,
1: yeah. They, they have to get the real life experience from people that are living real life. And honestly, coming from me as a teacher, they don't really think that I'm real life. Like, they don't think that I'm real life. They think of real life like the outside world or mm-hmm. what's it going to be like after I graduate high school, even though high school is still real life. Yeah. But when you're in that moment or you're in those shoes, it may not feel like the outside world or the real world, but... That's why we bring in amazing people like you. <laughs> oh,
0: hush, hush. <laughs> I don't usually end on the on the <laughs> on the self-absorbed point of hey, hey, cheer Nathan, but here we are uh, doing the outro. <laughs> uh, episode nineteen, uh, Jenna Jameson, uh, such a phenomenal um, talent that we have. Uh, here in Carbondale, uh, even more exciting to know that uh, she gets to influence uh, the next generation of folks that uh, will either contribute back to our community uh, or somewhere else. Uh, and undoubtedly, whether she may fully understand it or not, uh, it'll be a lot to do because of her influence. Um, that said, have a good one, ladies and gentlemen, whatever that one may be.